Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today a student spends a couple of hours innocently exploring his empty school when he discovers something highly unusual about the auditorium. Some people choose to cover their bodies with symbols and art, but what would you do if something paranormal began to brand symbols onto your body? During a dark time in her life, a girl suddenly remembers a friend that had long ago moved away. But when she tries to find this friend on Facebook, she is stunned by what she discovers. And sharing a dorm with a living is difficult enough without a spirit that doesn't want you to that doesn't want to share a dorm with you. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. I would call that spirit that doesn't want to share the dorm that would go into the ass soul category, I think. I think so. Doesn't that? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you don't want to share the dorm? <laughs> Lots of, uh, we had a lot of haunted dorm stories on the show in the past. And I wonder what, uh, is that a, a reason for that? I mean, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. Oh, I think definitely it has to do with the stress of college, the high emotion, the fact that you're late teens, early 20s, which is kind of a volatile time anyway. Sure. There's so, a lot going on. It's like the dorms are just big batteries of uh, paranormal or, or, or energy for the paranormal to, to latch onto. Yeah, well, and usually they're older and they, they've had a lot of students come and go. So It's true. Very true. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We'll kick off the show today with a letter from Carl. Carl says it was finals time at the end of school. The finals were over the course of three days. When you completed a class's final, you didn't have to go on to that class anymore. On the second day, I had an open two-hour block. Instead of leaving from the school, I stayed. The school was at least a mile away from anything resembling a business, and even that was only a grocery store. My trailer park was a good 15 miles away, so why waste the gas? I started to wander the halls in the main part of the building. The building is a diamond shape with two hallways coming off one side of the building. The top hallway leads to the gym and music rooms. The bottom leads to the art technology, student union, and photo lab. And nestled between those halls was the bathrooms and auditorium. Theater, drama, music, and choir had 
ended, so the auditorium was completely vacant. After making a lap around, I looked to see if I could find anyone to hang out with, to no avail. I sat in the commons area of the building and looked in the direction of the theater. Yeah, you know where this is going. Entering the auditorium on the side of the gym, I looked downward towards the stage. The stage was flanked by a small set of stairs. It set about 30 feet deep, 50 feet wide visible, about 15 feet on either side of the backstage area. Got into the stage on the gym side and I started to walk around aimlessly. Standing in the middle of the stage, I started to mock Shakespeare, oh, what light, yada yada. Then out from my left, on the art side of the stage, I heard metal banging. I waited for that person that was coming down from the catwalk to tell me to get to class or make fun of me for overreacting. After a short time, no one came. So I went over to see what was up there. This side of the stage had a steel spiral staircase painted a nasty fading orange. At the top of it was a door and a wall made of chicken wire. The staircase shook and creaked steadily as I ascended the steps. At the top, I was expecting to be greeted by a locked door. To my surprise, the lock was open. As I made my way across the platform, I was on solid, but eight feet from me and eight feet up a small ladder was the catwalk above the stage. By this time, I had forgotten why I had came this way and just wanted to get on the catwalk. I made it up two or three rungs of the ladder when it happened. I'm 6'1", so I could see the insane drop from the catwalk to the stage from where I was. Standing on the ladder, I continued, or tried to continue. The weight of my legs was intense. I could not get them to move. I'd lift my leg only to have it slam back down to the rung below. My intent was to go up to the catwalk. I'm not afraid of heights. In the past, I've gone rock climbing higher than this. Something was holding me down to the ladder. Holding onto my legs after looking around a bit, stuck in that position, I decided to leave because I could just not go any further. The weight of my legs slowly left as I got further from the steps. By the time I reached the door, the sensation was completely gone. I went down the stairs, angry that I could not get on the catwalk. I still don't know if it was my guardian or something else. Until very recently, I've not spoken of any of my occurrences with anyone out of fear of them not believing me in ridicule. So I never asked anyone if they had similar experiences or if they knew who or what it was. I think something, you know, was trying to be a protective entity and keep him from going up there. Maybe it was not as steady or stable as it looked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know once you climb up, to a certain height, you know, things get heavy. It's a little harder to do, but to the point where you just can't move, especially if you're, you know, school age. Sure. I think that there's something else going on there. Something that was not necessarily dark or, or evil or trying to hold him down for any bad reason, but more so for his own good. Yeah, I <clears> think so. Because, I mean, chances are if he had fallen, not, you know, saying the whole thing collapsed, but just you trip or fall... You're not supposed to be in the auditorium anyway. It might be a while before somebody finally came and found you. That's true. I mean, it could be one of those things where it could be a couple hours, a couple days. Right. Until someone goes into that specific part. So you had a, a ghost looking out for you. It'd be interesting. It, it sounds like there's more uh, 
with that person and their experiences. So it'd be interesting to hear. And they even mentioned Guardian in there. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's other cases where something unexplained intervened. Right. It'd be interesting to hear those stories. So feel free to write back in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, press subscribe. Whatever platform it is you listen to us on, that way you don't miss any <clears throat> episodes of our show. A writes in, hey, Tony and Jenny, it's A writing in again to tell one of my other stories. Firstly, I'd like to say thank you uh, and thank you to one of your listeners who called in on the uh, oceanfront haunting episode explaining about cemeteries being sacred ground and his kind words. So thank you to him and you guys as well for having such an amazing show where we can talk about these things. At the end of the day, we can only express our opinions and experiences. No one can really guarantee 100% that these things are real or not because we all have different lives, circumstances, and experiences. Some will experience otherworldly things, others just won't. And who knows why that is. Anyway, two years ago, I was sitting on my bed with my laptop just browsing the internet at about 2 or 3 a.m. when I felt two invisible strong hands grab my wrists and flip them outward to the point of my right wrist cracking. I couldn't see the hands, but they felt masculine due to the brute strength and something in my mind just knew it was male. But who knows? This left my... Uh, uh, this is a medical term or a, a bodily term. Do you know the term? A- antibutyl? Let me see it. Take a look. And now, Jenny explains words. Antecubital? Antecubital? Okay. That's a term I've not heard for a part of the wrist. No, it's the like the the soft pit in your elbow. Oh, like right here. Okay, I'm going to teach our two year old that word now. Okay, you do that. She knows elbow, and now she knows antecubital. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be the only two year old that knows it. Also known as the elbow pit under the bending part of the arm, exposed. Whomever or whatever this thing was branded me with four symbols on both my arms under the elbow pit. Two on each arm with the same symbols, only with slight differences. And honestly, I'm not sure what they really mean. It happened less than 10 seconds, but I couldn't move my arms and legs. As soon as those hands lifted, I could feel the knot in my throat. I didn't want to cry in that moment. I realized how useless and weak I felt to see my own flesh being burned. And I couldn't do anything about it. I hated that very moment of weakness. I tried to regain myself from calling my mom, but as soon as she came rushing into my room from downstairs, I couldn't hold back the small tears and the fact that I felt my face getting red with no idea how I should tell her. My room stank of burned flesh, and I explained what had happened, and I showed her. Her reaction showed sadness, anger, and disbelief. Symbols, letters, even things that look like faces appear on me very often. I have no idea what they are or what they're spelling out, but they're eventually will fade. This experience was the most bizarre due to its nature and never actually disappearing. My body is some sort of wall or paper to these things and I have no control to where they put them. I have to hide them under a lot of makeup, especially when they decide to appear on my face. It sucks because as a girl, it takes away that appearance of delicacy. The feeling I get from the look of curiosity or frowns of people whenever they look at these branded symbols on my arms sucks. It's hard to give an explanation to something you don't know about. And I really can't throw the actual story out there because I'm highly aware of all the skeptics. But still, I don't think it's something I can tell everyone that takes curiosity. 
It's no pride to carry things on you, but you have no idea where they originate. One last thing before I wrap up this long letter. In the days after that incident, again, I was on my bed with my laptop around the same time when in the corner of my room by the door, I saw a shadow misty figure of a tall male standing and slowly crouching to turn into some sort of an animal that resembled a big dog with perked up ears. And it started going back into the same human form, always in the same black shadow. So I could not give any specific details, but it did not have a skinny, weak-looking body. It didn't take long for whomever that was to give me that performance and disappear. But to this day, it leaves me wondering if it was the thing that did that to me. All righty. Thanks, Tony and Jenny, and this whole community for allowing us to tell our stories, no matter how crazy they might seem. It's nice knowing that there are some people out there that have open minds and won't make judgments. Keep up the good work, A. I wonder if A has ever been able to find out what the symbols that were branded onto her mean. That's what I was wondering. I'm wondering if there's uh, pictures. Yeah. And what does your doctor say? Yeah, I mean, that... That just opens up so many questions. I mean, people that choose via tattoo or whatever to do things to their body, mm-hmm. sometimes in the future regret it, let alone have something else brand something on you that you never wanted in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I just, I really, I wonder, you know, what what would a medical doctor say? I mean, I wonder if there's some fear of going and asking, um, you know, just, you know, that they're going to, not take the assumption that there's something paranormal going on, but that you're doing something to yourself. Self-harm. Yeah. I don't know, if you ever have had that examined by a doctor, what, uh, what did they say? And maybe if you are a doctor who listens to this show, have you ever had anyone come in with things like that, that you couldn't explain and that the patient also said they did not in fact do? And you also believe they probably did not do. Yeah. As much as you can tell us. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, oh yeah, obviously it's patient, doctor, patient confidentiality, but I mean, being generic on this, you don't need to mm-hmm. name names or anything like that or where you are or anything of that nature. I'm just curious as to the content. Now, we've heard, I'm not sure if we've talked about things appearing under the skin, like protruding upwards. Sure. But this is different because this is obviously going from the top down. I wonder if it's something demonic that's doing that to her or if it's some kind of, you know, protective entity that's trying to put a protective symbol onto her permanently. Well, how sure are we that it's coming from the top down? Could, does it may, may it just kind of appear that way and may, may be coming out? I don't know. <clears throat> Was she specific on that in the letter? I don't recall. No, but I would think if you can smell burning flesh, it would be from the top down versus the inside up. Sure. I don't know. It's hard to know. It'd be interesting. If you do have some pictures uh, and you feel comfortable sending them, uh, feel free to email those, email those over to us. Uh, we could even uh, post them out there online and we could even get uh, some some feedback from our listeners if somebody knows what the symbols mean, if there is a meaning behind them. Yeah. So 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Emily. Writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. Love your show. I've had many experiences with the paranormal. And ever since I found your show, I've been trying to decide which to submit first. I've been procrastinating for weeks, but I decided to just send you one to start off with. As I've had too many to put into one congruent story. 
Like many of the others that have written or called in, I've been sensitive since a young age and appear to have been uh, having some ability in clairvoyance, although where exactly those skills lie is how far they go is something I'm still discovering. I've always just known stuff. I don't seem to have much control over how it works. I'm definitely an empath as well, which for me seems to tie in with being psychic. I hate that term and I use it reluctantly. I posted this story and I'm about to tell you on Reddit recently, so if any of your listeners think that this story sounds familiar, that's why. As a child, I had a friend who I'll call Veronica. If I remember correctly, she went to school with me from junior kindergarten to grade three. At this school, everyone below grade three shared a large fenced-in playground, complete with jungle gyms, sandboxes, and swings. The older kids were relegated to a church parking lot right beside our school. Our story begins in the little playground with third-grade me sitting alone on the tire swing, bawling my eyes out. I just discovered that I would someday die, and the thought of that and the uncertainty of what came after was boggling my little anxious brain. Would it hurt? What if I died now? What if I had cancer now? What if I died next year? I felt very overwhelmed and sat there crying until I saw Veronica approach me. I remember thinking, even back then, that she looked like one of the little angel children that adorned our church's ceilings with her blonde curls and cheery smile. She asked me why I was crying. I told her about my fears, and she started to laugh. We aren't going to die, not you and me, not until we're old and gray. She then sucked in her teeth and hunched over, pretending to be an ordinary old woman until I was laughing and had forgotten about my fears. Veronica moved away the next year, and we all fell out of touch on social media, still several long years away. To be quite honest, I forgot about her for most of the part, or for the most part. I started getting bullied very badly the following year, switched schools after a few years, and my friend from third grade unfortunately slipped my mind. One day, I was 16 years old. I went on a walk one February morning. I'm not sure why, because I hate winter and I hate the morning, but I was walking down an empty country back road on which I lived when I remembered her. I remembered most specifically and vividly the memory I described above. I couldn't believe I'd forgotten all about her, and I decided I had to look her up on Facebook and try to reconnect or something. When I got home, I typed in her name into Facebook search bar. I got two hits. One was her profile with a normal teenage girl selfie with her name, Veronica, and her last name. I could tell right away that it was her. Another was a Facebook group titled R.I.P. Veronica and her last name. I was shocked. There was no way she could be dead. I clicked on the group. I saw her date of death, February 20th, 2009. I felt my blood run cold and I had to double check my own desktop calendar to be sure of that day's date. It was still February 20th, 2009. I read the most recent update and found she had passed away sometime early that morning. She had gotten a brain infection that progressed so quickly she ended up in a coma on life support with little to no hope of recovery. Her parents had to make what I'm sure was the hardest decision of their lives to pull her off life support and let her go. I can't really explain how she came running through my mind, just that she did. Although this didn't happen at the moment of her death, it happened about five hours afterwards. We had no mutual friends on Facebook. No one I knew had been in contact with her since... She moved away. Part of me wonders if, due to the nature of that peculiar, that particular conversation we had as children, she came by just to tell me, hey, it's okay, it's not scary, there's something over here. 
I guess it's not quite a ghost story, as I never heard or saw anything, but the coincidence is too much for me. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. It's hard to tell if it was a spiritual visit or another one of those just, I just knew things. Hopefully this wasn't too long and made sense. I plan to write in next time about a little story involving me, my housemates, and a little Ouija board that just wouldn't quit. Yes, yet another Ouija horror story coming your way. That certainly was an interesting experience, but now I'm taking up far too much of your time. Hope you guys have an awesome day, night, whatever. I don't think it's a coincidence. Okay. I do think it is one of those you just know things because some of the people that are sensitive mm-hmm. have that happen almost too often. And sure. It's, it's synchronicity. It's where you think about somebody you haven't seen in a while and like, you know, two days later you run into them at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So I think it was a case of that. Um, do you think synchronicity is paranormal? That's where I was just going with it. Okay. I think think it kind of is because it's not so much being psychic I think it's more just you know somehow you just know or you just have these these feelings but you don't really understand them so it's not something you can decipher that's why I think it's different than being psychic okay it's just kind of a little hint or a little clue it's like you might be psychic but maybe not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't even throw it sure. out there as being psychic because okay. there's not that much detail and you really can't get a read. It's just some things just pop into your head and you don't know why until a couple days later. It's like a gut feeling kind of. It is. Almost. It's a lot like a gut feeling, but just a little bit different. Sometimes it can't always be defined as to why you're having that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting. You know, I get that a lot um, as far as, I mean, every, throughout my day, um, you know, when I'm, I'm not working on the show and I'm, I'm working in the, the business of making commercials, I make a lot of calls out to people. And um, so often um, I'll, I'll make a call to someone who I haven't spoken with in months. Uh-huh. You know, it's like maybe it's time to, to work on a new ad or something. It's a seasonal business or something. Um, or we're not even. And all of a sudden, um, they're like, I was literally just looking you up. Really? They'll tell me. Yeah, I get that quite a bit. Uh-huh. And it's kind of, I mean, I'm sure some people just BS and that's what they say, but I think more times than not, that does happen. And it's odd, like, where it's like, oh, I should call so-and-so or this or that, and it just happens to work. I'm like that with some of my friends, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I have friends who are in complete other states where it's like, I should call that person today about this or that, right, for whatever reason, you know. Maybe there's nothing going on, but I just think I should call them for whatever, and they're like, ah, oh, I just about to call you. Yeah, and then you find out they're either going to get a divorce or they're changing sure. jobs, something major. Something's but, going on. Yeah. yeah. Disrupted that vibe enough that it, you know, you were thinking about them. Yeah, it's interesting how that works. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, if you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP. It's an extra podcast person. You get 32 bonus episodes of the show some video, and a brand new episode every single week. Let's go to a caller, uh, Janet in Arizona. Hi. Hi, my name is Janet, and my ghost story begins when I moved to Prescott, Arizona. I had uh, owned a home for many years and had no references. I owned a Great Dane and a Potbellied Pig, so I was absolutely thrilled to find a landlord who was willing to rent to me, my husband, and our pets. The first night in the home, 
I was alone as my husband was still in the process of loading our possessions from the house we'd recently sold, and he'd be joining me the next day. Now, I am a strong, independent woman and frightened of very little, but that first night in that house, I slept with the bedroom door closed and locked with the lights on and my pets in bed with me. At first, I chalked it up to some strangeness on my part with all the new things happening in my life, new job, new home, new town. However, with hindsight, I now know that I knew there was something wrong with that house. I just wasn't able to process it at a conscious level, yet instinctively, I knew I wasn't alone in that house. It didn't take very long for us to realize there was something in the house with us. Now, my pets are indoor pets, even the pot-bellied pig we had at the time. My husband and I would leave for work, and we would put the pot-bellied pig in the bedroom to sleep in bed, buried under the covers, and the Great Dane would lounge on the sofa in the living room. It's not a good idea to let them be together unescorted. Um, they got along well, but it could get into an argument on, say, the comfiest spot on the sofa, so we'd prefer to keep them separate. And we would come home from work and we would find them together on the sofa. At first I blamed my husband and my husband was blaming me for not securing the bedroom door. We were going back and forth. And then after checking and rechecking that bedroom door before we would leave like some obsessive compulsive, we finally came to understand that there was someone or something in the home that was opening that door. This was reinforced by other experiences disembodied voices we would hear that would stop whenever we'd go to look for the stores. My husband was being touched from time to time. And just some other little strange oddities that we came to understand pretty quick. Something's going on in this house. Well, I finally spoke to the ghost, and I explained that we thought that the ghost liked our pets. Our animals were never frightened of the ghost, but they knew something was in that house. My dog would watch something I couldn't see walk across the room. And my dog was very calm about it. She didn't seem to be alarmed in any way. But sometimes she'd wake up and look at me with this expression on her face that would say, were you touching me? And of course, I'm at the other end of the room. I began to think that the ghost would touch her in her sleep. Anyway, I explained to the ghost it's not a good idea to open the door. Even though you think the pets want to be together, it could be dangerous. They could get into an argument. And we prefer that they sleep separately until we got back from work. Now, after I had this talk with the ghost, the door never opened again. We never found the dog and pig snuggled up on the sofa together once we left. They were apart the whole day. So whatever it was in that house listened to me. Now, I was pleased that the issue was resolved, but somewhat unsettled that I had a ghost living with me. I also asked the ghost not to show itself to me because I just didn't think I could handle that. Now, the major incident for me was one night I'd been watching television and the um, living room light was off, but my exterior porch light was on. Now, I decided to read instead, so I got up, I turned off the television, I turned on the living room light, and then I turned off the exterior porch light. I then went into the kitchen to make a snack, and when I re-entered the living room, I almost dropped the plate that was in my hands. The porch light was back on, the living room light was off, 
My Great Dane was at one end of the sofa. My little potbelly pig pork chop was at the other end of the sofa. And they were both looking at me like they'd been startled from their respective naps. I knew then that I could not discount the incident. There was something paranormal happening, and I definitely had a ghost. Now, we've since moved from that house. We've purchased our own home in the area. I'm happy to say this house is ghost-free. But I look back fondly at our time in that haunted house near downtown Prescott and the little pranks our housemate would play on us and our pets from time to time. And I thank you for your time. I really love your show. Bye now. Thank you for the uh, the call and the story. I think that the the spirit may have just been kind of childlike. Sure. You know, the way it had a real interest in the animals. You know, I think an adult spirit, that would get old. But it seemed like the childlike spirit would constantly be interested, especially in the potbelly pig. You know, because that's not uh-huh. a real common pet. And pigs are very intelligent animals. Yeah, they're actually smarter than dogs. Yeah. So that's... Um I w- if I was a ghost, even as an adult ghost, maybe I'm just childlike. But you are childlike. I would for be sure. very much interested in playing with the pets as a ghost. Yeah, because they're the ones that probably likely see you more. Yeah, go around, mess around with the, the carry some bacon around in front of the pig and taunt it. The pig's not going to have any interest in eating bacon. I know. But I do think it's adorable that they named the pig pork chop. Sure, that's I think that's great. cute. Yeah, you know, when you hear something disturbing, I was um, watching. Uh, uh, one of uh, our, our two-year-old's programs that she enjoys, I believe it was Mickey Christmas. Okay. Uh, that's what she calls it. Mickey Christmas. I think it's like Mickey Mouse's Once Upon a Christmas or something like that. Anyway, um, I, I found it rather ironic. There's a scene where it's uh, Donald Duck and then uh, the DuckTales ducks, uh, and uh, they're all sitting down for, uh, for, I think, Christmas dinner. And out of the oven... Is it Daisy Duck? Is that the Donald's girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, or something. Uh, she pulls out a turkey. <laughs> and they're all about, they're all excited to eat the turkey. Uh-huh. And the turkey runs away. But um, it's like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this doesn't quite seem right. Yeah, and you're probably the only one that ever really thought about that. It seemed rather odd. Because mm-hmm. I remember one time we were feeding ducks in our backyard. You were feeding ducks in the backyard. I was feeding ducks in the backyard, and I was throwing bread out for them, and they were eating it, and they loved it, and I ran out of bread. And I go, what else do I have around here that I could feed them? Because they were like, there's a big flock of them. They were really excited. So out of curiosity, I threw a little piece of chicken out there (laughs) just to see. Like a chicken tender. Like a chicken tender. And uh, they did not take it. No. They realized this is probably something we shouldn't eat. Would some would you eat some something that somebody threw at you that was like really could have been a cousin or something? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. I'm just surprised they identified it. I mean, I've had you know, just looking at like the beach and birds and uh-huh. like throwing stuff to like seagulls. I mean, they'll pick up virtually anything you throw at them, whether it's a cousin or a sibling. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like I've seen seagulls flying around with cigarettes in their mouths. <laughs> which is also very entertaining, not healthy at all. But, uh, you know, back when beaches were a little more gross, if you will, uh, back in like the the 90s before there was more of an environmental movement to clean that stuff up, which is a good thing. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I just thought it was disturbing. It's like the ducks from DuckTales are going to eat turkey. Okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so there you go. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Alicia writes in, hey, guys, my name's Alicia. I've been listening to the show for a while now, and I finally decided to share my story and hopefully get your feedback. Moved away from my hometown a little over a year ago to start college. Came from a very small town with little diversity and certainly nowhere to get the kind of further education I was looking for. I was very excited to move to the city and be on my own, and my mother had always encouraged me to do so. A few weeks before I was to move into my new apartment, I started having severe night terrors. I've always had vivid nightmares, even as a child, but never to the level that these were. Most of the time, I'd wake up screaming and sweating with my heart racing and have little to no memory of what had happened in my dream. I'd feel physically drained, and it was hard for me to do anything during the day. As the days went by, I started to have a little more memory every time the first time. I vaguely remembered an old woman, what appeared to be a black cloak standing off in the distance, and myself starting and trying to make sense of her. She never moved or spoke, and I could barely see her, yet I woke up exhausted and terrified. Each night, she would get closer. My only memory would be the same, just of the woman and me standing trying to figure out what she wanted, but I was too afraid to speak to her. I was so afraid to fall asleep at night because every night it was the same dream, and every night she got closer to me. I brushed my exhaustion and irritable attitude off to my mother as anxiety about moving away, but I knew that it wasn't. I was excited about that, but this woman or thing made me feel so nervous like I shouldn't leave. Finally, one night, I was drifting to sleep, and I began to dream. I was standing, looking for the woman, but she wasn't there. I grew anxious and tried to wake myself up, knowing that I was dreaming, but I couldn't. I knew she was coming, and I screamed, What do you want? I waited, heart racing, and then I felt her hot breath from behind on my ear. It felt so real and said, You. I was screaming, kicking, and crying uncontrollably. My mother raced in terrified, and I was so scared I couldn't speak. My father and I have never been close, but I woke him up along with my sister and made my whole family sit with me on the couch while I was silent and petrified. I never told them what happened in my dream, and after that it didn't happen again. I moved to my apartment, started college, and things were back to normal. It had been a year since this had happened, and I put it out of my mind until a few months ago. My roommate was away for the weekend, so I had the room to myself. I decided to go to bed fairly early and drifted off to sleep. I woke up, what felt like only a few minutes later, to rustling in my room. I was disoriented from just opening my eyes and saw what looked like a goat standing in the middle of my room. I thought I must be dreaming, but closed my eyes tight, but when I opened them, it was still there staring at me. I tried to mutter something, but just stuttered from how scared and confused I was. A visitor is coming, it said. This did not help with my anxiety, and I closed my eyes tight again, but I reopened it, and it was gone. I looked around my room, trying to make sure I was awake, looking for minute details about it that I wouldn't be able to recall in a dream. I was definitely awake. After that, though, I don't remember how I fell asleep. I know I must have, though, because later I awoke in my bed to a heavy feeling on my chest. I tried to open my eyes but couldn't. It felt like someone was sitting on me. I began to silently cry because I couldn't move or open my eyes. This felt like it went on forever. 
with me helplessly lying there. Then, finally, I opened my eyes and saw a completely black figure. My eyes were fuzzy because of how tightly they had been closed, and I tried to focus. I felt it lean down and it said, You. I screamed and kicked and ran to my living room where I slept for days after. The memory of my nightmares prior to moving came back and I was so afraid. I did research in what dreams of goats mean, and the most common thing said that it was that they represent a visitor or company coming. I thought this was so strange, as that is exactly what the goat had told me. Before looking up, I had no idea that's what they represented. Since then, I have moved to another apartment for unrelated reasons and haven't had any dreams like that. I still think of the woman, though, and what she could want with me, or if this is all just a figment of my imagination. I worry about her coming back since it took a year for her or the dreams of her to return. Thank you. I hope to get your feedback. You know, it's weird because in this case, you can't pinpoint it to a location because it happened, you know, the initial dream happened before she moved and then the other events happened after she moved. Mm -hmm. So it's strange, though, the goat. I'm not familiar with that. Are you? Um, I'm familiar with like goats popping up and things where it tends to be um, more so demonic type things, you know, hoved animals and things of that nature, uh, you know, popping up uh, in, in situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, this didn't really go there. It really kind of stayed, you know, for the most part, tame. It was like a visitor is coming and... Other than the, the sleep paralysis-esque experience that she had, the visitor didn't appear to come. Well, but I think it it did, obviously, when it, you know, sure, was I'm, holding her down. Sure, so. but she didn't get to see it. No. Again, that, that's, I guess that's the part that, mm-hmm. you know, I guess kind of eludes me where I, I, was, I was almost anticipating that she was going to open her eyes and there it was in real life. Sure. You know, what the dream had been. Yeah. So... Certainly very bizarre. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever want to see a goat popping up in my bedroom. Or say anything. Or yeah, or a talking goat for that matter. <laughs> I mean, maybe just a goat alone making goat noises, but not talking. Now would you try and feed a goat lamb chop? I think that's different enough. It's different enough? I think, yeah, I think that that would be something that you could feed a, a goat. Okay. Don't you? I mean, it's a pretty different species. I don't know. Although, we've been confused by them before. <laughs> yeah, you have, for sure. <laughs> you were, too. You didn't know what the, they were. There was a little restaurant in, in Wisconsin we were visiting once, and across the street were these animals. <laughs> <laughs> and we, th- what did we think when they were initially? I think we thought they were goats. Okay. And they ended up being a type of... Sh- sheep but they looked very goat like yeah it was weird it was like a goat sheep cross of some sort i don't know there's um, you know it's like with every species there's so many variants on it so it was just probably a, a very uncommon variety of the sheep mm-hmm. but uh, we thought there were goats Anywho, the restaurant being next door had nothing to do with the animals. They weren't like chopping them up there or anything. No, that was just the just reason we were near the goats as we went yeah. to the restaurant. It was a farm next door in Wisconsin. They have their animals everywhere. So 
There you go. 855-853-4802 is our number. Deidre writes in, I've been a steady listener since I found you on Stitcher about a month ago. Love your show. Growing up with unexplained things happening starting from my childhood home through to now. The story is about my time in university. Went to a small university in uh, Camrose, Alberta and stayed in the dorms my first year. There were stories about the campus being haunted by a few spirits. The dorm was said to have one I, in the female wing. We didn't think anything of it, but later in the semester, we noticed that something that sounded like pens or balls being dropped in the room above us. It was a weird sound, but throughout the person, uh, but thought the person above us was just clumsy or something. Then one day, I was talking to a person from that floor and found out the room was empty above us. As weird as that was, it didn't match what happened later in the year. We had a fire drill, and my roommate and I left our keys in the room when we left. Rule was, if the door was unlocked when they check the room, they leave the door unlocked when they leave. When we got back, our door was locked, and the RA said they never locked it, but our keys were in the room where we left them, and it's a deadbolt, so you need the key to lock it. It happened again when the fire drill was a false alarm, so we all stood by our doors with them, waiting for the alarm to turn off. I didn't hear it, but at some point, the deadbolt again locked on its own, and I didn't notice until I went to close the door. We never felt any threat from whatever was causing it, but one day, it took my roommate's ID card, and she was freaking out about replacement costs. I was alone in the room, and suddenly a poster that had never fallen down started to be pulled off the wall. I watched as the corners were slowly pulled off, and I fell onto my roommate's desk. After a minute, I approached the desk to put the poster back up. I stood on the chair at her desk, put it back up, then looked down, and there was her ID staring at me. It was not there before the poster fell, as we had looked all over her desk for it. Sorry if that was a bit long, but love your show. Hope to become an EPP soon. It sounded like whatever was living in the dorm above them then decided to come on down and be roommates with them. But there's no way to get locked out with a deadbolt. Yeah, I mean, unless someone took has a key and they locked it from the outside, but if all your keys are in there, that's a pretty telltale sign that something else is going on. Yeah, something doesn't want to share the dorm and doesn't like how you've decorated it with the uh, posters. I wonder what the posters were of. <laughs> Who knows? That should be the question. I wonder if it's like the George Michael Faith poster, you know, with the leather jacket and the cross that DJ Tanner had in her room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Well, it just depends on how long ago this was. <laughs> I wonder. That's Whenever I think of like teen posters, that's the one that comes to mind. I don't yeah. know why, but <laughs> it's just like totally out of place. We should get one for our girls and just see what the reaction is. I'm not going to get a George Michael poster. <laughs> Look what we got for you. Oh. The thing is, they're so polite. I mean, and... and I mean, the little, little one wouldn't know what to make of it. But our eight-year-old, would she's so polite, she'd be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> she would. She wouldn't know what to say or do. Is this a new Disney movie? Yeah, she'd <laughs> so, hang it up. Just to not hurt our feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be funny. Adrian writes in, hey, guys, I just want to uh, begin by saying I love the show and the stories. I listen to it before I go to bed almost every night. It makes me feel like a child again when my brothers and I would share scary stories. And 
that we had heard. Anyway, I'll start off by telling you guys that this happened about four to five years ago. I don't really remember, but I was staying in an apartment with my mom and two brothers at the time. My brother, his girlfriend, and I were watching TV. It was already pretty late at night, so I grew tired and headed to bed. I was lying down for about five minutes. This night was different, though, because my other brother, who shared the room with me, was not there, and neither was my mom. So the house was quieter than usual and felt empty. So, as I was lying down, some time went by and I felt something pushed down right beside me on the bed as if someone's knee was right there. It obviously startled me. Right after I felt the force stopped down pushing, or stopped pushing down, I heard three deep exhales. Needless to say, I was scared shitless. I was there frozen for a good ten seconds, not wanting to move a muscle. I remember looking into my closet. It was just cracked just enough to where I could see in. In the closet was a reddish-orange orb. Not sure what orbs are a sign of, but I hear people talk about them when talking about paranormal things. I then knew when I saw that, that there was definitely a ghost, or even worse, a demon, in the same room as me. I somehow got the courage to get up and get the hell out of the room. I ran to my brother quickly and told him and his girlfriend what had just happened. They both had a blank look on their face as I came in shouting. I was terrified after hearing those three deep exhales. But they didn't believe me, and my brother mentioned it to my mom when she got home. She didn't believe me either. I've never told anyone this because after my own family didn't believe me, I figured who would? It scared me so bad that I didn't sleep in that room for a few days. I had thoughts that maybe it was my father who had passed away a few years back, but I don't think he would scare me like that. Guess I'll never know what the hell it was. Scares me thinking about it, but I also remember my brother's old friend who he went to school with, who has lived there in that complex since he was a kid. Say that when he was younger, he saw a lady in white hovering slowly in the house and went through the front door. Really old complex, so I wouldn't doubt if there's some spirits around there. Well, that's my story. Hope you guys got a bit of chills hearing that because it still haunts me to this day. It's been a while and I've only told my brother and my girlfriend this story since it's happened. Keep up the good work and I wish you guys the best with your show. I'd also like to mention that I hope you guys can upload more phone calls. Love hearing people tell their stories. You know, I know when you're going through something and you're afraid, automatically, if you're like a lot of people, your mind goes to the worst case scenario of could this be something demonic, but I don't think it was something demonic and I think the orb was probably pretty harmless. Yeah. Now, have you heard much about sounds that go with orbs? Not necessarily, no. I mean, orbs for the most part seem to be a fairly silent phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they're viewed um, in person. Sure. And not just, you know, caught through a, a camera like, oh, there's an orb. Um it seems to be more rare to actually view it in okay. person, but when in any, I can't say for sure every story I've ever heard, but I'd say most stories I've heard about them, they're just kind of there. Yeah, I just found it interesting that she heard the exhales and then saw the orb. Yeah, I don't know if it was maybe something trying to manifest itself. Mm-hmm. If an orb is maybe the beginning of that energy trying to manifest. Um, I don't know, because I mean, a lot of times I, you don't hear the story of 
oh, there's an orb, and then it turned into something. A lot of times, orb kind of stays the orb, goes through a wall, does something. Doesn't always. Right. But it would make sense to me if it's some sort of energy form that's trying to take form, that that's the first shape that you see. If sure, you sure. So I don't know the answer to that, but... Very interesting story. Very much. Nonetheless. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. We'd love to hear it. If you want more ghost stories, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get a bonus episode sent to you every single week. Have access to our complete archive of past EPP episodes and video. 32 of them in there right now. So check that out. Plus, that keeps our show on the air. That's really what financially supports the show uh, and allows us to, uh, to keep going. So if you like the show, Put a little wind in the sails if you would. Become an EPP. Only five bucks a month. And help keep us on the air. And you continue to get ghost stories every day of the week. That's not bad. Check it out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>